First Kings chapter 17, verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, the prophet that we're reading about. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and ugh, ugh, this guy and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, this is an indication of the magnitude of the miracle, that it's not even her God that the prophet represents, and she's going to have to make a choice to obey. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. How many of you, if you're the prophet, you're sorry you asked at this point because you didn't really ask all that? I didn't ask all that. Elijah said to her, verse 13, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. I read that scripture again because that's so good, but y'all are still mad at me about the other verses where he said, bring me some bread and bring it to me first. And you're like, this is just like a man to preach this on Mother's Day. And where is Holly? And we want Holly. We want Holly. We want Holly. I'm just reading you the scripture that the Lord gave me to preach, all right? So let me do verse 14 again, because you need to savor how good this is. This is awesome. This is awesome. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word the Lord had spoken through Elijah, or by the word spoken by Elijah. Okay, the Lord told me to tell you this for our message today. Look at your neighbor and say, God promised to give you enough. Look at your other neighbor. Say, God promised to give you enough until it comes. 
This is the Mother's Day message. Enough until it comes. You're waiting on something from God? He told me to tell you prophetically, not pathetically, that he promised to give you enough until it comes. All right, y'all, y'all take your premium seat and let's talk about this text, this story for a moment. Because I'm surely not going to give a parenting sermon on Mother's Day, but I might just preach a few practical things from this passage about a prophet, a problem, and a mom. A prophet, a problem, and a mom. All the moms in the house make some crazy noise. Ah! So you be the mom, and I'll be the prophet. And we want to talk about what God said. Enough until it comes. I'm biased, but I think Holly Furtick would beat all of y'all in a momming competition. Not that there is such a competition. We do give her a hard time because every family that can't make fun of itself is dysfunctional. So if you ever see a family and nobody picks on anybody, that is a sad family. And trust me, I have to regulate and referee in our house. Like, that's enough. That's three times with Abby and one time with Graham and five times with Holly. Y'all leave your mom alone. But there's one thing we all pick on her about and happened right here on this very stage. I want to say it was on Mother's Day. I'm not sure. Make the story better if it was. So let's say it was Mother's Day. She was up here preaching. And after her sermon, now I'm going I'm to tell you why she did it, then I'm going to tell you what she did. After her sermon, she said, I want to go into Waymaker. Y'all know the song Waymaker? Now, let me tell you something. I have written many songs to bless our church. Waymaker is not one of them. I wish I wrote Waymaker. That's a great song. But I didn't write that song. We didn't write that song. She stands in my pulpit. In my pulpit. And she closes her message, and she's speaking about Jesus is the way, and I know the way, so I know how she got there. I know why she got there. But what she said was devastating. She ripped out this songwriter pastor's heart. She said, you know, there's a lot of great songs out there. Graves into gardens, the blessing, rattle, the songs we wrote. But my favorite is Waymaker. We will never let her live it down. And what better way to earn points with your wife after a two-week tour than to pick on her on Mother's Day in your opening sermon illustration, right? We always do it every time. We say, Mom, you want to see your favorite song, Waymaker? <laughs> Miracle worker, promise keeper. We love her so much. We love her. We love you so much. You're so amazing. You're our Waymaker. You're our miracle worker. Okay, okay, okay. Even it out. Since this is your favorite song, if I could have written it, I would have added one thing to it. And I want you to think about this real quick. Not just for the moms. Don't log off because I said Mother's Day. That's not a code word to mean this sermon isn't for you. This word is for you. But if we're going to call God a waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, I also want to talk about how he's a need meter. Right? A need meter. 
How good are you at letting God meet your needs? And what do you tend to run to instead of God in times that you need relief, resource? And is it possible that those things you run to are the things that you have replaced God with in your life? I'm going to just look right here at my pulpit and not look at y'all, because y'all do not like this sermon so far. But it's going to get good in a minute. But first, we've got to talk about the context of confrontation in 1 Kings 17 with a prophet, a mom, and a problem. Now, the whole nation has a problem called famine, drought, which causes famine, has now become so severe that they've got the king's men out searching for grass, and it's really his fault because he brought this woman named Jezebel. I don't think there's many preachers in America bold enough to preach on Jezebel on Mother's Day except yours truly. And she is, catch this, a Phoenician princess, but they worship different gods than Yahweh. So when Ahab decided to bring this Phoenician princess into the ecosystem and the religious system of Israel, it caused all kinds of compromise. Maybe not all at first, but gradually it began to corrupt everything about the way God's people worshiped the God who had called them and named them. Eventually, Ahab got so bold about it that he set up a center for Baal worship, B-A-A-L. That was the name of one of their gods that controlled the rain and the fertility, so they thought. And they thought that all the way up until Yahweh, the god that's the real god, said, okay, if Baal is so big and bad, tell him to make it rain. Oh, he can't? That's right, because I am God. I am the source. I am the one. I have the word that sustains life, starts life, ends life. And so that's kind of the context of 1 Kings 17. I'll point that out to you because both of the people in this passage of Scripture that I read to you are dealing with a problem that's not completely their fault. The prophet Elijah has prophesied there will be no rain nor dew except at my word over the space of the next few years, and he said that to Ahab, and then he went into hiding. This woman, she's not even an Israelite. She's hanging out in Sidon, which happens to be Jezebel's hometown. That's the one who is going to try to kill Elijah in a few chapters after he goes up on Mount Carmel and says, Hey, Baal, are you busy? Are you using the bathroom? Send some rain since you're really God. Because you have to understand, this was a tremendously cruel and tormenting system that the people were living under, trying to appease Baal, who wasn't a god at all. Depending on a god who can't save, depending on a god who is not a god, will leave you dry. I want you to hear something from me today. I'm not a prophet, but just as a preacher prophesying God's word, everything you depend on that does not come from God will eventually dry up. You're preaching good, pastor. Everything you depend on, I'll, I'll take it further, that is not God. Even if it's good, will eventually dry up. 
even people who like you will get tired of you if you start needing them to meet needs that God is designed to meet. Some of the people that you're angry with, they are good people, but they are not God. When you try to make a good relationship a God in your life, it becomes a idol. The passage in 1 Kings 17 is about idolatry. It's about what happens when you decide to run to the resource and neglect the source. I'm going to break this down until everybody in the room can confront it. When I fill every spare moment of my life with social media, how can God speak to me? If I run to that, if that becomes my first resource and recourse anytime I want to escape my mind, then how can the peace of God guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus? Or you could say that about sex, or you could say that about a pill, or you could say that about a donut. I can go all day long. How long do you have? I mean, I got a big list of stuff that I've tried to run through, run to that wasn't God. And I said that accidentally, but it's kind of good. If you run to something that's not God, you will run through it eventually. It will not sustain you. It will not last forever, and it can only give you so much. Now, there's been no rain in the land. Why? Because the people needed to repent and come back to God, and maybe you do too. Maybe you do too. Maybe you need to say, you know, God, I'm experiencing a dryness in my life right now that indicates the fact that I have been replacing you with something that is not you. And See, I think dryness is often a gift that God uses to direct us. God directs by dryness to show you that something's wrong here. This isn't working here. Wow, I keep on putting more effort, more effort, more effort, but I'm not getting more results. I'm not getting more joy. I'm not getting more peace. I keep doing more, and I keep feeling less, and that is a sign that God is redirecting you. To the text, to the text, to the text. In 1 Kings chapter 17, it says that Elijah is hanging out by a brook because there had been no rain in the land. You don't know what restraint I am using not to preach about the fact that he is suffering from the problem that his prophecy caused. <laughs> Did you catch it? He said, there's going to be no rain. So God says, since I made you say there's going to be no rain, and since nothing can grow where there is no rain, I'm going to show you where to run where you can receive even though there's no rain. And it works for a while. But eventually, the Bible says that the, the late autumn rains and the early winter rains that were meant to replenish the land didn't come. Now, we know by nature that the brook didn't dry up all at once. I mean, you don't go from a brook that's filled with water to a brook that has no water just like that. And so every day, Elijah wakes up. It's a pretty good setup he has, all right? Let me tell you what God did. God's like, I'm going to give you water from the brook, even though there's no rain in the land, because you spoke a word. You spoke a word to bring the people to a place, back to worshiping me. But I'm going to bring you to a brook, and I'm going to let you drink from the brook, but you need to eat too, so I'm going to send birds, not just any birds. Y'all ready? Dirty birds. 
I'm going to send some ravens. These are unclean birds for Jewish boy to eat from a dirty bird. That's a bad system already. But God would meet Elijah's needs daily through the mouth of a bird that he considered unclean. And he would meet his needs daily at the brook called Cherith. Ah, the, the Hebrew, the Kerith Ravine, gives the impression that he's by this brook, and every day he wakes up, there's something for him to drink. How many of you would say that in your life there were seasons where God provided new mercies every day in your life? And let me be more specific. You didn't know how, but he kept you going. You didn't know how. It didn't add up. Like it doesn't even make sense, but you had something to drink. Doesn't even make sense, but you had something to eat. Doesn't even make sense, but you got up and went to your job, and your job sucks. You didn't want to be there. Sorry, mom. You didn't ask to be there. But I have watched in my own life the times where something that was sustaining me in one season started to go away in the next season. And it goes away slowly. And the Lord sent me to minister to somebody today whose brook is drying up. Whose brook is drying up. The thing that used to bring you joy or comfort is no longer bringing it to you anymore. Your brook is drying up. And you're thinking, maybe I did something bad, maybe I did something wrong. No. Elijah did exactly what God told him to, and his brook still dried up. There is no indication that God gave him a warning incrementally. In 14 days, this brook will be dry. He watched the water level go down, 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 and waited for a word from God to tell him what to do about it. And when it says in the Bible, the word of the Lord came, in verse 8, it says nothing of the space before the word of God came where Elijah had to sit there, watch the water level go down while his thirst increased and his hunger was not abated, but his resource was not replenished. I don't know what's going on with my mic. The devil must not want you to hear this. And the Bible says that as it went down, Elijah, waiting for the word of God to come, has to wait in a place where he doesn't know where he's going next. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. Who is it? Who is it? And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Who is it? You need God to show you a next step in your life because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. And now you feel like Abraham, who God said, go to the place I'll show you. What kind of weird life coaching is this? Go where I'm going to show you? It makes me think of Psalm 103, verse 105. Verse 105, that's how long Psalm 103 is. You get all the way to verse 105, and the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. 
and a light to my path. But I don't really like the fact that God's word is compared to a lamp to my feet, because what I really want is a floodlight where I can see all the way to my future, 10 years from now, especially as a parent. God, show me exactly where my kids need to go to college so I can know how much I need to save and when I need to put it there, and my kid is three. But God is not going to give me the name of the college when my kid is three, when I have barely got them walking. But in our walk with God, a lot of times we won't take a step toward a destination we don't know until God gives us all the details. That's not faith. That's not faith. That's not faith. He had to wait. Wait for the next word from God. And until it came, God kept him sustained in a place that was enough. It wasn't fancy, but it was enough. It wasn't bougie, but the birds got the job done. It wasn't five star, but his belly stayed full. And God is sustaining some of us in a place in this season of our life, watch this, where it's enough, but we don't know what's next. And the problem isn't that God isn't faithful to us in this moment. The problem with us is we haven't read Matthew 6:34. Jesus has a word for everybody who is trying to project out into the future a promise that God will not give you until you get there. If I came to preach this message today just to me and Holly, it will have been worth me putting on this itchy Levi's jacket that Josiah gave me. Because Jesus said, here's your problem. Look at Matthew 6.34. Y'all got it? Well, I know the number. I need the verse. <laughs> Thanks. That's helpful. <laughs> Put it up on the screen, y'all. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Give somebody some coffee back there. Matthew 6.34, you got it? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And then I love this part. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So wait for the day to bring the trouble. It's going to don't borrow trouble from tomorrow that you may never even have to face anyway because God might do something about it overnight. Yeah, it's Mother's Day, but I got a word from God. And I realize that a lot of us are not really losing the battle that we're fighting in the moment. We're losing the battle that we're imagining that's going to happen out there, but sufficient is the day for its own trouble, and sufficient is today's strength for today's struggles. But today's strength is not sufficient for tomorrow's struggles. And God will not give you the entire plan. He told him, kind of like a GPS, he told Elijah, turn by turn. Go east of the Jordan, and there I have directed these birds. Now, he can't leave Elijah there forever because if he leaves Elijah in one spot long enough where he provides for him, Elijah will begin to worship the spot and think that the spot is God. Have you confused the spot where God blessed you with the God who blessed you there? 
and worship the situation or even worship the person. Y'all, I say this about once a year just to make sure y'all know it. If I, don't, if, I don't, if I don't show up to preach next week, you know, my head gets cut off or something like that, I don't know what might happen to me. Might be riding a bike, might run under uh, something and cut my head off, and I can't come preach. Got it? If that happens, y'all still need to get to church because God will put up here the person that you need. It's not me. I'm, 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 I'm just a dirty bird. I'm just dropping off the stuff God wants you to have. God's got a lot more birds. Now, I want to be the best bird I can be. I'm trying to stay clean, stay holy, stay studied, and all that. But God will not leave you with a need that he will not meet. He just might meet it differently in different seasons, and that's intentional. Okay? That's intentional. Because if Elijah had stayed at the brook for the whole three years during the famine, he probably would have been tempted to start worshiping the birds. And how can he confront Baal worship if he thinks the birds that are bringing him the food is God? So the brook dried up. And God uses the dryness in our lives, the dry places, the dry seasons, to lead us to our next assignment. That make a little bit more sense of why you've been feeling like you've been feeling? That God is using. What is God using in your life to move you? Now remember, he doesn't move him to somewhere more comfortable. He calls him to somewhere even crazier. It's one thing to get water in the wilderness. It's another thing to be sent to get it from a widow in enemy territory. So God will send you to places to provide for you that you may not prefer. I can't buy it. Amen, Holly. You want to take over? I know it's good. The Lord told me it was good. He told me to preach this word to you today because he wants to show you that the dryness in your life is not a sign that he has left you. It is a sign that he is moving you. I don't mean physically. I don't mean physically. I mean moving you to new patterns, moving you to a new way of doing things, moving you, if we want to make it a Mother's Day sermon, to a new way of parenting your kids. And I think the greatest skill to learn in life is the difference between what you can control and what you can't control. Now, in the story, in the story, both the prophet Elijah and the mom who he's going to meet. He doesn't know he's going to meet her yet. They're about to find out. And you're about to find out why God is working in your life. But he will not tell you that until it's time for you to know. So say this out loud. I know enough for now. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I, know, I know enough for now. When I need to know more, God will show me more. And sometimes, while I'm waiting for the next word to come from God, I am still stuck in the last 30 words he spoke to me that I haven't done a thing about. You, you have enough Bible verses 
in your phone right now to beat the devil's behind back to Timbuktu every time or wherever he comes from. You can beat him back to the sixth level of hell with the scripture you have. Well, I need a word from God today. Okay, I know what you mean by that, but the last word you heard from God, did you walk in it? Because a lot of times I don't. The Lord already told me some stuff to do. I just don't like that stuff. So I'm addicted to the feeling of the next thing that he tells me to do because the next is sexier. And the last thing he told me to do, I don't like it very much. One thing he told me to do in the Bible, this is a Bible verse, y'all. This is not a personal word. This is a universal word in the holy scriptures of Almighty God, Yahweh, maker of heaven and earth. He said, Do everything without complaining and grumbling. I'm still working on that word. You hear me? And in the meantime, a lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if you. No, 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 no. You know enough right now, and if you needed to know more, he would show you. You know enough exercises to be in good shape. You've heard of push-ups. You've heard of sit-ups. You've heard of dumbbells. You know to put this down and pick this up and do that over and over again. You know enough. It was enough. He was by the brook. He wasn't stressed. He wasn't confused. If he was, the Bible doesn't say. He just waited until the next word, knowing that if God fed me here, if God replenished me here, if God sustained me here, if he took me in this wilderness, if the birds brought my food, whatever is next will have what I need. Whatever is next will have what I need. Whatever is next will have what I need. And I don't even need to know what it is. So the Lord was preparing you in Canada while my last MD was leaving. I'm not mad at him, but God had you in Canada. He was practicing in Canada to my sermons, and we had never met. We had never interviewed him, and LJ would play organ to my sermons to practice before I ever even knew that on the eighth day God made LJ. Now, let me break this down real specific for you. That means, like, I know we all want to know, especially if we're talking about with our kids, we all want to know every struggle that they're going to face, and we all secretly fear that we're screwing them up. Because we, all the kids, cover your ears. I don't want you to hear this part. We don't know what we're doing. Cover your ears. I don't want you to know that. I am bluffing you every day. I am tour guiding you through a terrain that I barely survived as a teenager. <laughs> and I love God because He's so good. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me help them see that you, you know enough. And when you need more wisdom, God will send more wisdom. And when it comes to a point, remember when Harold Staley used to teach me guitar, and then he finally said, You need another teacher. I have taught you everything I know. So he moved me to another teacher. I'm glad he did that. 
I'm glad he did that because it gave me an illustration for how I can trust God that when it's time for a new stream or a new teacher, he will use something to move me along. Now, can we do a quick parenting conference? God knows what's next. He doesn't want you to, because if you did, you'd screw it up. <laughs> Trying to be him. You would make an idol out of your idea of what your kid's life needs to be, and you would end up depending on Baal to send rain instead of waiting on God to send his. So, a confession. God is going to send everybody that my kids need into their life. And while you're at it, Lord, keep all those other ones out. I don't care what you have to do. Relocate their parents at another job in Kansas City. Whatever, Lord, because you know what they need, and I don't. That's my favorite prayer to pray before I preach. I've tried a bunch of them, okay? But this one seems to work best. Lord, they need something I don't have. You do. Give it to them through me. And then the Lord speaks to me. It said, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and then it came through Elijah. Because really, the brooks drying up had nothing to do with the prophet, did it? It had everything to do with this mom. Talk about vague. God said, I'm going to send you to a widow in a region. Go to Sidon. Now, Zarephath is seven miles south of Sidon, so he actually has to go even past. He has to go way out there. And the Lord's like, I'm going to send you to a widow. Let me tell you something. A zip code is not an address. So when the Lord says, go to Sidon, I'm going to be like, all right, a little more specific. Can I get the street number? And the scripture says, I know you, I know you might have forgotten it. I read it a few minutes ago. It said, that when he got to the gate, there was a woman there that was gathering sticks, two twigs, the original language says. And so she's got two twigs and she's got a son. Now, notice this. As Elijah's brook was drying up, this woman's son was dying. So, God, the need meter, knows that his prophet needs a meal. And this mother needs a miracle. And God is this sovereign, God is this sovereign, that He will take a need and take a need and put a need next to a need. And He will get in the middle of those needs and He will create a space for Himself that is called grace and supply all of your needs according to His riches. In glory. I might stay at 11:30 and preach this again. God is that good at his job. God is good at his job. God is good at his job. And in some of our lives, God wants his job back. We have been trying to do God's job. We have been trying to make it happen in our own strength. We have been trying to manipulate it in our own strength, and that's why we're stressed, because any strategy that does not start with God as the source will dry up, and now your strength is dried up, 
and now your friends aren't calling you back, and now nobody wants to talk to you, and now you have no energy, and now you have no ideas because you're too tired to think, and you're filling all of the empty spaces with everything but God. And he redirects this prophet to a mom so that the mom can feed the prophet, or is it so that the prophet can feed the mom? I can't figure out who God is trying to meet the need of today. Is it you? Did God give me this word? Because he gave Elijah her word, but unless his brook dried up, she couldn't get her word. Everything that you go through isn't just about you. His brook was drying. Her son was dying. God said, I got to get you there. She's not even a follower of Yahweh. She says, the Lord, your God, you got, you got this God telling you to ask me for bread. I don't have it. Come on, be real. Have there been some moments in your life this week where you said, I don't have it? Maybe you said it about money. I don't have it. I don't, certainly don't have it to give to you. Maybe you said that this week. I don't have it. Maybe you were lying, but you just didn't want to give it. I don't have it. I know somebody in here has said that this week about patience. I do not have a single nerve left for you to get on. I would invite you gladly to get on my last nerve, but my last nerve was gotten on three weeks ago. And so if you come on this nerve, you need to know it's already gone. So whatever happens when you try to get on this nerve, you just need to be forewarned. I don't have it. I'm out. In fact, you caught me making the final arrangements because I have just enough left. Of all the widows, Jesus mentions this woman in Luke 4, right beside Naaman. He says that there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, but he was sent to one. And he said, give me some water. And she said, fine, because it was customary. But when, she asked, when he asked her for bread, she had enough. And she told him how it really was. I don't have it. In fact, translate it like this. It would be like her saying, I swear to God I don't have it. That's what she said. By the Lord your God as he lives, I don't have it. I'm not lying to you. I don't have it. So the Lord said, you're going to be preaching today to some people who are weak and weary, and they don't have their own water, and they're trying to give water to others. Look at me preaching a Mother's Day message after all. trying to organize somebody else's life when you wish somebody would come help and organize yours, telling them to clean up their room when you've got a few spots that you would like to get to also, but now you've got to teach them responsibility. Even as you deal with your own resistance, this is the scene at Zarephath, Zarephath, Jezebel's hometown, the one he would ultimately confront. And the Lord said, I'm going to send you to this place with your need so you can meet a need so I can meet your need. That's parenting. 
God uses what your kids need that you don't have to show you what he's given you that you don't recognize yet. All right. Y'all ready for this? This is what I got up to tell y'all. Honestly, y'all need to bring a little more energy for me to give you this point, because I've been in these arenas all week, and they were excited to be there. Okay, okay. All right. That's my son, and I feed him to support me, so that's how bad it's gotten. All right, sit down, sit down. Let me, let me teach you this. The prophet was the problem, and the problem was the prophet. They both start with P. Can you break it down a little bit? I sure can. When he said there's no rain, that's why she was gathering sticks, because the land had stopped producing because of the word he spoke. In obedience to God, the word he spoke was responsible for the problem she had. So he shows up as a prophet and as a problem. Some of the problems that show up in your life aren't just problems. They are prophecies in disguise designed to show you what you have that you don't now 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 I, I remember Holly preaching on running on empty last Mother's Day and it was so good because she preached about this this widow she preached about this widow in Second Kings 4 and the woman was in the same situation she was desperate she didn't have the, she didn't have it she was she was she was in a, in, a, in a bad situation the creditors were coming to take her kids and so she went to the prophet and the prophet said what do you have in your house and she said nothing there except that a little oil and he said well go get some jars and it said that the jars were filled I mean so many jars were filled that they ran out of jars before they ran out of oil. But let me show you something specific about this miracle. When the Lord showed me this, I had to stop and write it down because I didn't want to forget it. It was in verse 14 when Elijah gives the prophecy, and I believe I'm prophesying to some moms, some dads, some teenagers. I believe I'm prophesying to some single people, some married people. In other words, if this is your word and you need a word from the Lord today, I believe God has authorized me to tell you this from verse 14 from his word. This is a word for you. Say it. This is a word for me. Say it. This is a word for me. Say it again. This is a word for me. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. There's a prophet who is waiting for God to give him a word that he can speak that will open the heavens and bring the rain and bring the repentance of the nation and bring the destruction of the false prophets of Baal and deliver the people to the freedom of worshiping Yahweh. There's a prophet waiting for the rain. There's a woman waiting for the rain. And while they are both waiting, God sends a word, and this word is for your situation and for your children and for your family. The jar and the jug. He said, There's going to be enough. Somebody say, enough. enough. Put it in the chat. Enough, 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 enough. There's going to be enough in the jar and enough in the jug. Wait a minute, Elijah. Don't you mean jars and jugs? Plural? Nope. I said what God told me to say. There's going to be enough in the jar 
and the jug. One jar, one jug. It's not going to be 10 jars and 10 jugs. It's not going to be 100 jars and 100 jugs. As a matter of fact, it's not even going to look like it was any more than it was before you brought it to God. But it won't run out. It won't run out. I'm praising him for all the times in my life where it seemed like it wasn't enough. But he said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. It was one jar and one jug, but watch God. What was in that jug was enough. And I came to tell somebody, you got enough in your jug to do your job. You got enough in your jug to raise your family. You got enough in your jug to make it through this dry season, this hard place. There's enough in your jug. There's a word in your spirit. There's a breath in your lungs. I feel God on that. There's enough in my jug. There's enough in my jug. I don't have 15 jugs, but I've got enough oil in one jug that if I will use it, watch this, daily. <laughs> drop by drop by drop, she ate through the whole famine and fed the prophet and served God's purpose and saved her kids all by understanding that God promised to make it enough until the rain comes. And God said you needed to hear today that he's going to give you enough until it comes. Enough until it comes. Because you may not feel freedom right now, but God is going to give you enough grace to make it until freedom comes. When we fight to be free of things, we feel like we're never going to be free. And we think that until we feel free, God, doesn't, God can't really use us. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness, so I see what you still struggle with. But greater is he You want this word or not? He said it will be enough until the rain comes. He does not tell her it's going to rain in a year because he doesn't know either. But they are both in the same place, the prophet and the mom, looking at the same problem, trusting in the same God, believing in the same word. It was the word at the brook. It was the word in Zarephath. It was the word when you were 12. It is the word when you are 72. It will be the word that sustains you, and it will be enough. So while you wait for the rain, rejoice in the space between. Because God said, I'm going to give you meantime miracles. While you're waiting for the change, while you're waiting for the maturity, while you're waiting for it to take root. The Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they won't depart from it. So how do I have enough patience to keep from killing them till they can get old enough to do what I taught them? God said, my grace is sufficient, and if you will lean on me and learn from me and listen to me, it will be enough until it comes.
And all your life, God has been leading you from brooks to sidons to carmels, from brooks to sidons to carmels, and every space in between, he has been good. And he has been God. So, as simple as it sounds, whatever you have like the woman that isn't even enough to feed an extra guest, whatever strength you have, whatever skill you have, that, just so I can know, just so I can know, because I need to know, because I need to adjust my approach if I miss this bad. Is there any moms in here that have been feeling in the last little bit, in the last season, I don't mean 30 years ago, that you are not enough for the job? Just feeling like that. There are literally eight people here who felt like they're not enough. Okay, so let me tell y'all what you need to know for the eight of y'all that feel that way. There is enough in your jar and your jug for you to do your job. But there's not enough for you to do God's job. He's the one who has to make it happen. He's the one who has to make it work. He's the one who has to prove himself faithful, not you. You're a steward. That means you get to give it back. I love being a pastor because I know it's God's church. So I tell the Lord, here it is back. It's COVID, Lord, we can't have church. Here it is back. What do we do now? I don't know what the future is 10 years from now, neither do you. But God said, until I show you what's next, what you know will be enough until it comes. Now, if you go worrying about tomorrow, God cannot defend you from a battle he didn't call you to fight. And if you keep waiting, if you keep waiting for 50 more jars, if you keep waiting to the fact, because I'm telling you what's going to happen, you're going to think, when I have this much money, when my kids get this old, when I get this opportunity, it still will never be enough until you really, truly believe that he is enough. So come on, team. Come on, singers. I want us to, I want us to sing the words. We sang them earlier today. We sang them many times. but. I want to sing it over every, every prophet who God is giving a word to, every mom that God is giving a miracle to, and I want us to sing it over every problem that you need to bring to God today. Did you notice what the prophet said? He said, bring me some of what you have. And when she did that, it was always enough. As we wait in these spaces for answered prayers, as we wait in these spaces for test results, as we wait in these spaces for situational resolve, we have to know that his word is enough until it comes. So God, just like Abraham finally got to the place and you had a ram in the bush and he called that place Jehovah-Jireh. We choose and decide today in our hearts to call you Jehovah, and we call this place Jireh. That the Lord will provide. 
And I want to pray for somebody who's been tormented by what they don't have. They've been, they've been threatened by what they don't have. They've been, they've been restless, withdrawn, depressed, because I don't have it. I mean, if it's, a, if it's a mom, if it's a dad, if it's somebody who doesn't have kids, you see every need, God. I don't. But whatever they thought they were not when they came in here today, it's just a space for you to show off who you are. And we talk tough and we say these things, God. But we need to live like that, to bring you the little that we have and watch it become more than enough in the hands of Jehovah Jireh. Just like you did when I started, I want you to cup your hands toward heaven. Like if you had a father who knew how to feed you. Like if he would send birds to drop food for you. Like if he would send Elijah to your doorstep as you were gathering sticks to feed your family. And I want you to take a moment and silence all of those voices that have been telling you, look at you, you're not smart enough to raise that daughter. You can't even help her with her math homework. Look at you, you're not tough enough to raise that boy. You don't even have a man around the house. For everything that you're not, you are a candidate for a revelation of who God is. After all, when God gave his name to Moses, he chose to self-identify as I am. That leaves all the space in the world for any need that you will ever have. And I believe God is calling some people away from dry places of self-dependence. I believe God is calling people into their next assignment today. Your jar, your jug, it's more than enough. If your jug needed to be bigger, if your jar needed to be wider, he would have made it bigger, wider, he would have made it, but he, he put you there. You are the one that he chose, and it's going to be all right. God's got tomorrow, and it's going to be all right. God's got your babies, and it's going to be all right, for the jar of flour will not run dry, neither will the jug of oil until the day the Lord sends rain. I know you're waiting on rain. You're waiting on some things, but God said it's going to be enough until it comes. I'm going to send you everything you need, but until it comes, God is no less enough. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others by investing today at elevationchurch.org give. And thanks again for joining us on the Elevation Podcast.